We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Uncontested Weekly Show, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. I'm your host for the night, J.D. Silva, joined by a couple of fellas, first one being Taylor Peterson. Hey, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to the Uncontested tonight. Uh, We'll be back Friday evening. Uh, when the Thunder take on the Golden State Warriors. Thank you guys for joining in tonight. And until next time, Thunder up. We'll see you next time. And one more fella, Jacob Niffin. What's up? Boys, uh, on this on this Wednesday night, we got served a steaming plate of slop um, <laughs> as the Thunder took plate on... Of sounder. The, <laughs> as the Thunder took on the Houston Rockets. Before I get totally into this, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast and leave us a five-star review even after this episode, which might be a little sad. Anyway, they lost to the Rockets 110 to 101. It was. And um, please, at any point in time, if we overreact, understand that we're a little emotionally fragile. This felt like the worst loss of the season to me, next to that Kings one, probably. Um, this one being Houston. This one sucked more, um, especially because everyone was was healthy. So I guess we can start from the top, do some big takeaways, most of which are negative, probably outside of SGA's play. But we're going to talk through it as logically as we can and see where we end up on some of this. And then you know, we'll come back for Friday. Hopefully that result will be better. So major takeaways. I think maybe starting out with the offense and how ineffective it was would be a good place to start kind of as a whole. But before we dive into like the offense, the shooting, who's playing, mm-hmm. this sucked, that sucked, my life sucks, cut my life into pieces. This is this my last is my resort. Last I don't want to be around anymore. Can I just, for a moment, just tap the brakes, please? Right? No. Just, just, just this pop, is a venting pop podcast. Those, 
pop those red lights up on the taillights for just a moment. We are. I'm going games. to rear end you right now, Jacob. This is a like a uh, I-35 multi backup wreck. Oh my goodness! We are 20 games into the season. The Thunder are 13 and seven. That is thir- about 33 percent of the way into the season, and the Thunder are on a 53 game win pace. So. I know losing to the Rockets sucks. I know there's a lot of things you look at tonight and you're like, oh, this team sucks. Everything's awful. Blow it up. Trade everyone. 20 games in, I think we have some interesting data points we can talk about. We've talked a lot about 20 games being like the the sample size you need to kind of extrapolate some things. Things are Some things are good. Some things are bad. Some things are trending in a good direction. Some things are trending in a bad direction. But overall, this team has played good. I do not think they will get to 53 wins. But I think they'll get over 43. And that's a step in the right direction. So not everything is all doom and gloom. It rains every now and then. But that doesn't mean that the sky is falling. In all seriousness, that is an incredibly important disclaimer. Right? Because we can't just take one Now let's talk some of... shit. But, right, correct. <laughs> that's kind of... It, it is a... Uh... This should not be an encapsulation of like this season as a whole, but Just there's tonight. a lot to be frustrated about tonight. Uh, for example, even after the the game against the Mavericks here a couple nights ago, I was very frustrated with the Thunder because when you're one of only three teams in the entire league uh, that rank in the top, what was it? I mean, top ten. Uh, they weren't quite top t- uh, top five and uh, offense rating and defense rating, but obviously net rating. Um, when you're held to that standard, like I don't think you should be giving up 30 runs to the Mavericks. However, they were able to overcome adversity and there's a lot of great learning moments and, and, and there, there's a lot of great things that can come from that game tonight. It just, it, it wasn't good. We're, we're going to talk a lot, a lot about uh, a lot of the negatives that came from that. But to Jacob's point, this isn't necessarily a, you know, <laughs> this isn't something this single data point isn't something we should be saying oh we'll trade josh giddy and change up all the lineups etc cetera, etc cetera. i think that's a really good disclaimer that jacob had but we we will get into all the frustrations and it's it's i think it's fair to be frustrated by a lot of the things we saw from tonight's game is kind of what i'm getting at yeah speaking of this offense that we keep talking about the thunder shot 42 percent from the field overall 42 and a half percent i should say and 27.6 percent from three there were eight of 29 uh, from three, uh, real bad. And they are, uh, they've been an above average three point shooting team up to this point in the season up to here recently, but it does seem like, uh, the team is, uh, headed back towards the mean there. Um, you can see it with individuals like Chet going over four from three. Um, and you can see it as a whole throughout the team. They're just kind of crashing back down. I think there are some things we could talk about that contribute to that. Like guys at the end of plays, like a Lou Dort or Josh Giddy. Teams seem to be funneling the ball to them when when we're swinging it around, so they end up with the last shot. I keep noticing that, and it seems like the Thunder, being as disciplined as they are, are comfortable with just getting a good shot, no matter who gets it a lot of the times. And uh, it hasn't been good when it's ended up in the hands of Josh or Lou recently. Um, so I don't know. Is there is there a specific player or stretch that you guys think could help us jump into this? Well, so, Jacob, I'm curious your thoughts, but I think Silva just nailed that. 
because one of the biggest takeaways I, I took away from the very beginning of the game, um, I was actually driving home through the first half of the first quarter, not the whole first half. I got to watch the majority of the game live, but um, and it, it just was very apparent to me that the, the Rockets were taking a a staple of what the Mavericks did against us specifically here a couple of nights ago, as well as Timberwolves. Yeah, there, there's multiple other teams that have done this against the Thunder, but they're packing the paint, making sure they take away those drives and ultimately playing off players, especially in that starting lineup, leading to those those wide open uh, Lou Dort and Giddy shots, which have become very inefficient. And that obviously plays into the other team's favor right now, the, the way that this Thunder team is playing. That starting lineup, they can play really well together when they're, they're pushing the, the pace and transition and getting stops defensively, but they haven't been doing that recently. And I thought to, to Silva's point, the, the Rockets packed the paint. They made sure the other guys were going to beat them if they were going to beat them. And tonight the, those other guys did not beat them. Definitely. And you mentioned the Mavericks there. One thing the Mavericks did that Houston emulated tonight, which we're 20 games in now. It's a big enough sample size. Teams are are scouting. Uh, the The book is out now on pretty much everybody. The Mavericks tonight put their center, Alperin Shengun, uh, on Josh Giddy on defense. And his instructions were basically give him any shot, go under every pick and roll, and play like 8 to 10 feet off of him. Clog the lane so a guy like Shea can't probe and kick, so a guy like Dub can't probe and kick create a crowd and in order to create a crowd you have to put bodies in there so you're taking a body off somebody on the perimeter and tonight that was josh giddy as it was in the dallas game and it proved to be the right strategy for houston because we're not going to get into josh giddy off the court stuff we will talk about josh giddy on the court stuff and on the court this looks like a man who is completely and totally out of sync um, and quite frankly, afraid to shoot the basketball. He was catching on the perimeter and he had a couple of really nice plays. Um, one where like he got a re- a defensive rebound, got a hit ahead, uh, ran the court, got a, a pass back to him. I think on the left wing in the second quarter and fired a bullet pass inside to, I believe a Kenrich Williams. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That second quarter stretch that he had there was that great. was that was a great play because it was quick, it was decisive, and the ball was zinging around the court. Way too many times tonight, I watched the ball hit Josh's hands and sometimes other guys' hands and stick. And they're too afraid to take the open shot, and there's no room for them to drive, and they're just kind of stuck there doing nothing, and it completely and totally bogged down the offense uh, to the point where guys were getting pulled so they could get quicker decision-making guys who, who have a quick trigger and will shoot the ball because if you're not willing to shoot it when somebody's standing 10 feet off of you, then they're going to start standing 12 feet off of you because they do not care. It, what matters is that you don't have the confidence to shoot the basketball. When you don't have the confidence to shoot the basketball, it's over. It's done. So when you're scared to shoot the ball, I don't give a shit who's guarding you. Nobody has to guard you because you're not going to be a threat. And if you're not a threat, it basically makes the rest of your team play four on five. Correct. Even and off it was the drive. And, and Even off the drive, he's not a threat right now. Yeah. Josh Giddy. Forcing shots in the mid-range. Three of 11. 
24 minutes. Lou Dort played 15 minutes tonight, 0 of 5. Oof. Um, 15 minutes, I think, is pretty telling there yeah. as well. I We've talked a lot about, not to interrupt you, Jacob, but just like I think that's such a I, – I, it just stands out so much to me because I, I obviously have been very harsh on Josh recently here on the podcast, on Twitter, or whatever. But uh, his minutes have consistently gone down. We talked about him playing only 27 against – uh, the Mavericks the other night, right? I think it was 27 off the top of my head, which is like much less than... Against the, yeah, I think it was like yeah. 16 minutes against the Mavs for Josh, right? Even yeah, Even worse than I thought. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Lou also registered way less minutes tonight, which, I mean, just watching the game, I could tell that, but for you to throw that south there, Jacob, is pretty telling about Lou Dort's night as well. Seems like Lou is maybe resorting back to bad habits simply because the defense is giving him those open shots. Yeah, the the more games that pass the first 10 look like an aberration on the shooting percentage for Lou. Um, yeah, just not great. Now, they could come out Friday night and cook and look great. They missed a lot of open shots tonight. They did. But to me, the, the bigger problem was the fear of guys to not take open shots. Um, it I don't think they're making some sort of huge trade this season. But to me, 20 games in, what I've seen is that in order to maximize this team, you need guys that can shoot and space the floor. Correct. Yeah. The ball doesn't stick with this team. That's why it was so such an ugly game because it reminded me of the old Thunder V1 a lot of times. With this team, the ball doesn't stick. That's why they're so fun to watch. But pretty immediately, and I think this is kind of what set them down the path they were on tonight is the ball was sticking. And you could tell that a veteran intense defensive coach like Ime Yudoka was totally comfortable just selling out and, and putting the spotlight right on Josh, which is not what he wants right now. And it kind of, I, I think that's what started to cause all their woes on offense. It threw him out of sync. No one was in rhythm. It was like, what is anyone doing? Everyone's standing around. It's really weird. It's really weird. Yeah. And I, I don't know what to expect. Going a into lot, Friday, a lot you know? more ice possessions than we're used to. So a I lot. think that's also spot yeah. on. Uh, even with Shea. And look, mm-hmm. I mean, Shea still had, uh, sorry, I'm looking at the minutes now. He still had 33 points, six assists. He was, he had he was awesome. six I mean, rebounds. He no, was sorry. Only... Shea had three rebounds, six assists, six steals. Sorry, six steals. I, I messed that up. Six steals. <laughs> like, Shea's doing everything he's he can, even with a completely packed paint and no way he's facing the floor tonight because. Even players who typically would face the floor weren't hitting shots. I mean, to your point, Silva, even then, like there's just way too much iso ball. And again, a lot of credit to the Rockets, their defensive game plan, and uh, Adoka, who, I mean, to your point, they he, he knew exactly the game plan that he wanted this team to execute, and they executed it well. Also, there's something about the Thunder team playing in Houston over the past, what, three, four seasons that just... Yeah. Uh, does not bode well for OKC offensively. It's like the fans get very hyped for these games going into Houston, but something about it, like almost this exact same type of game happened uh, like November 26th of last year. I posted the screenshot in our group chat, but it was very, very similar stat lines. They shot, you know, a horrible percentage from three and from two. Shaded fine, but everyone else just uncharacteristically laid an egg. So I don't know what it is about Houston. Maybe the fan, maybe. Maybe OKC didn't take them as maybe they they thought kind of they were the same team they've been the last few years where they haven't tried well, as much. I don't know. It, it, even Dub, I, I'm pretty sure it was Dub. I hope I don't misquote this. I'm pretty sure. Sh- <coughs> excuse me. 
he was asked about it. And, and I'm, again, I'm pretty certain it was dub. He mentioned like, um, you know, how important it is, you know, stay together, the things they needed to do to win this game. But also just a quick aside mentioned like historically over the past couple of seasons, we haven't played well in Houston and they were aware of this heading into this game. So it's yeah. almost like a, a rain cloud uh, above their heads, you know, that they're, they're obviously aware of. It is. It, it felt like the thunder were just kind of searching for answers after that point. We've seen the Thunder kind of have a go-to lineup off the bench that has really worked. Pretty much immediately bringing in Isaiah Joe and Kaysen Wallace. Correct me if I'm wrong. How early was Trey Mann the first sub? He was very early. He, he entered the game very early. I remember. Uh, but I noticed that um, as something the Thunder were just trying. I'm sure this it, was another schedule. He probably was subbed in. Sorry, I, I was muted there. Uh, and I think Jacob's looking something up. But uh, I do think he if he wasn't the first sub, he came in with the first round of subs. And then obviously... It was early. Minutes, yeah, yeah, minutes off the bench. Uh, he led... Or sorry, he did not lead players off the bench in minutes, but was only a minute behind Kaysen Wallace. Uh, Kaysen Wallace had 25 minutes off the bench. Trey Mann had 24. I kind of have some thoughts on that, but I'm curious. I mean, look, Trey... He played better than just about anybody else off the bench. So it's hard to criticize that too much. I still have some thoughts. Curious what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, Trey played fine. I don't think this means Trey is going to play every game moving forward. Um, Isaiah Joe, 14 minutes tonight, is the kind of like the shocking one to me. Uh, when he's been, I uh, saw a stat today, Isaiah Joe, as far as bench players, um, has the best plus minus in the NBA. And it is a, shot. a massive gap between him and number two. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. It just felt like maybe a game that they just wanted to get Trey some burn and felt like it was a good game for that. Um, Case in playing. The, the, the bright spot of this game, guys, besides Shea, is that I thought the bench played really well, not just Trey. I thought Kaysom played well. Um, Aaron Wiggins played really well. I thought Kenrich did some nice things. Um, the, the bench looked fine. It was the those starters. Um, when you look at their their shooting percentage, Chet two of nine, Giddy three of eleven, Dort O of five, uh, J Dub five of thirteen, um, just not good enough. No, and it it felt like especially those SGA plus bench lineups were like it was like SGA Dub and then bench guys. It was it was going really well. I think they cut it to one at one point. That was the closest mm -hmm. they ever got to being ahead. And I don't want to lay all this at the feet of, of Josh Giddy, but it did feel like as soon as he would come back in, that lead would get further and further away again. And it again, like just with the lineups in general, uh, the trade management, et cetera, it very much seemed like a game that it's early in the season. The Thunder wanted a kind of game like this where they could throw in a Josh Giddy, throw in a Trey man, and just instead of trying to play the right lineup to win the game, they want to see these guys try to fight through adversity. Um, yeah. And I totally get that. But at the same time, like, I just think we're so far past. Like, that's kind of my whole thing with the like. You all know I was very upset with like the Lenny Water miss, for example. I don't think we're going to see a lot of Lenny Waters moving forward. We saw Trey Mann tonight. We'll probably see that a couple, you know, another game moving forward. We'll see some Poku moving forward. And then after the All-Star break, we probably won't see any of that. We'll see lineups tighten up. And we won't even be talking about this anymore. We're just in the time being, I just... Again, this is a fan podcast, um, and and I'm very thankful that we have this platform that we get to do this and just talk as as fans. And I'm not employed by a big 
national outlet to like be covering this team on the beat. And I can say these kind of things. Like I, I'm just a little frustrated with these. They aren't experimental lines so much as they are like rewarding guys at the end of the bench, trying to keep them engaged. Uh, see if y- you can get more of like a sample size on some of these guys. Like I, I think there is a world where if Mark sticks with his, his some of the lines we've seen over the past couple of games, for example, like Isaiah Joe gets more minutes off the bench, Aaron Wiggins gets more minutes off the bench. Some of those Trey minutes go Trey man minutes go away, even though he played well. Some of those minutes go away and are distributed to other players that more regularly are, are in the lineup through the first twenty games of the season. The Thunder may be able to find themselves get at, kind of get out of that slump, that offensive slump that we saw. That wasn't really the goal of tonight's game from the the Thunder coaching staff, the organization. And just as a fan, I'm I'm going to be honest. I I find that a little frustrating. I think this team is better than that. I think there's plenty of opportunities for that over the past couple of seasons. I was feeling the same. I understand thing. this isn't like a, I'm not saying that we're championship contenders and we shouldn't be giving guys developmental minutes. I hope Usman Jen gets minutes moving forward, um, you know, et, et cetera, et cetera. I just, I'm a little frustrated seeing the Trey man, the, the Lindy Waters, and here in a couple of games, we'll see it, some of Poku get some of the same burn. I just think we're a little past that as a organization. That's just my personal bias as a fan. Uh, that is not why I am a G, assistant GM to Sam Presti or an assistant coach to Mark Daniel. I fully recognize that. That's just my mini, uh, my mini rant here. I think that's fine. Person. I think the flip side of that coin, though, is if this was a team of a whole bunch of twenty-six to thirty-two-year-olds, right? I'm on board with that. But the guys that are getting those opportunities when they're not regular in the rotation, like Trey Mann's, what twenty-two? In his third year, like, there's, I I get wanting to play your best players and win the game, but I also get like, you have a 15 man roster, and the Thunder feel like their strength over other teams is being willing to to utilize that 15 man roster, especially when it's young guys who, maybe you give Trey Mann three or four games and he busts out, and now he's a regular part of your rotation, like. We thought that same way whenever Isaiah Joe only got like three or four games at the beginning of last year. And then now look at how we're talking about him. So I think it's a double-edged sword for sure. And and I totally get it. And they have progressed to a new phase of like they're out of the rebuild. The the house is built now, uh, as Sam Presley would like to say. Now you're figuring out what color paint you're putting on the house and what furniture you're putting in the house. And so I, I don't mind it as much. Um, especially when it's like, was I frustrated with Josh Giddy's play tonight? Yes, very much so. But when I look at it, it's like them playing Josh to add, like those extra minutes in the third and in the fourth. That's not like experimental minutes. That's these are our dudes and they've, got, they've got to figure it out. Right, and they figure I it agree out with like that. getting thrown in the deep end without the without the the kitty floaty arm thingies on mm-hmm. it right right and i'm yeah, not saying so. trade josh giddy or you know i'm, no, I'm not sure, saying anything extreme it, it, there's I trade there's a, waters correct <laughs> i think there's a difference between <laughs> giving trey and lindy waters those minutes even though i think still i'm a firm believer that when when I'm, I'm saying when trey gets traded like he will be a great player for another t- it's just the i i don't know dame i'm a little past he'll be a great player yeah that's right uh, I'm that was just, weird. That was weird. I, I think you can still develop player. I, I I don't I don't fault the team for not playing super well when you're throwing in a train man 
for example. I mean, Lenny Waters fits the flow of the offense a little better than maybe a Trey Man type player would. This isn't a Trey Man, like I'm not just hating on him. Trey played really well, again, to my point. Or sorry, to uh to what I'm getting to, but I I, I don't fault these lineups struggling when you randomly throw a Trey Man in for the first time all season and you expect them to be able to gel and just, you know, him to to fit within the flow of the offense. My point is, I don't think we're going to see this later on this season. It's a little frustrating to me that we're seeing this 20 game. It, I don't know. Again, this is just me venting as a fan. That's all. I feel similarly. It's like my, again, like me as a fan and my like selfish desire to win this game on December or whatever today is December 6th. Um, that's butting heads with the Thunder's like internal development process where they keep it. And that's how they keep all the guys engaged. Totally get it. Um, they have these games scheduled out. We think, I, I don't know if they said, I think they've said that publicly that they schedule this out where it's like the Sacramento game. They labeled for as a Lindy game tonight. Maybe they labeled it as a Trey man game. So I get it. Um, I do wonder like Josh got 16 minutes, 16 minutes against the Mavs, 25 minutes tonight. Felt like he played worse tonight than he did against the Mavs. Maybe that's wrong. Um, I'm sure the coaching staff sees certain things that make them, be more willing to play him those extra minutes though that I'm not seeing as a fan from home. No, I, I didn't will think he say, passed the ball better tonight. Yeah. But just yeah. the the hesitancy so offensively, like just not good. We should just talk about good. Chet. We should talk yeah, about yes, Chet. I, was, I think I was gonna say the reason like I, I think I get so worked up about these things this season is because guys like Chet have stepped up uh earlier than we thought they would. Jay yeah, is that like this team plays so well for him have been rough as well. Correct. Right. Pretty so like, I think I'm all these guys these are. Guys, but we start. We started at a really tonight. high point, and everyone minus Shea is is fading at this point. And it's going to be interesting right. to see. Maybe part of that answer is going deeper into the bench and keeping guys fresher. Because again, we're at the point now, like Chet was cooking, and recently he hasn't played as good, and he's a rookie, and that's totally acceptable. And now, I mean. Is Chet like the second guy on the Thunder um, scouting report? Like when an Probably. opposing, opposing team point. has a scouting report? All of page one is Shea. And then page two might be Chet. And so people are starting to learn tendencies and things he likes yeah. to do and places where he's uncomfortable and things he struggles with. And they start to expose that. And this is yeah. the time of the season where you start to see that. I and damn it. Chet hit there two shots tonight and those two shots were awesome drives on Jabari Smith Jr. Both of them, both <laughs> yeah. of them were also really six cool. Six blocks tonight. Six blocks. Six not blocks. God, he, he, he put Tari Eason in the shadow realm again and looked very similar <laughs> to that first yeah. uh, summer league summer game. League. He was still no, good I, defensively. I was I was happy to see that. But offensively, he just like couldn't. Maybe this is a side effect of what, what else was happening with the ball sticking. It just wasn't finding him. He wasn't getting it in good spots. I felt like he kept kind of Usually when he takes a dribble and drives on the opposing big or wing, whoever's on him, it feels like he has way more passing lanes than he had tonight. Maybe that's because guys were paying him extra attention if Josh was out there. Yeah, and just crashing the paint. Yeah, it wasn't the Because room. they don't care if he's kicking to Josh or Dort. And, right. Yeah, and his three wasn't working. So and, and They were giving him of, the three. And yeah, I, I feel like we're trying to extrapolate so much out of this game. It's just a shitty yeah. game. Just right. like they shot bad. They, they missed a lot of open shots. They don't typically miss a lot of open shots. They're the number one three-point sh- three shooting team in the league. They don't typically yeah. miss those. And they could come out Friday against the Warriors and score and 135. Earth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That'd be sick. I think what I was what I was trying to get at is as much as I was harping on like the Trey Mans and the Josh Giddies, like Chet was 
equally inefficient offensively, although it is great to your to both of your guys' points, like six black to still be able to impact the game as a rookie when you're being adjusted or when you have a uh, defense just scheming against you, right? Like it's scouting against you every single game uh, for him to still be able to impact the game. is very exciting. There's something positive to take away from there. Yeah. Also sure. J Dub is the other one I want to mention. Uh, obviously he had a really good game or a, a solid game against the Mavericks, but he's been struggling as well. Mm-hmm. Trying to find his role within the offense. We talked a lot about that with Giddy Dub is still trying to do the same thing. And, Dub had 13 points, uh, the second highest scoring Thunder player behind SGA. But I think <laughs> Dub's really struggling <laughs> offensively uh, yeah. right now as well. And so I just, sorry, I I, I want to make sure that I transition from <laughs> my my soapbox of the the other players who mentioned like Josh Giddy and uh, Trey Mann, and and also focused on guys like J Dub and Chet who haven't really been playing well recently. I know single game plus minus doesn't mean shit. But and you guys probably have the box score open, so it's probably cheating. If you do, don't look at it. Okay. Do you know which Thunder player uh, was a plus twelve and a nine point loss tonight? I'm looking at it. I'm cheating. I was. was, I already had it pulled up. Okay. I don't have. I have to like hit the switch on ESPN to get all stats. I do not have that up. Um. Was it Kendrick Williams? It was Kaysen Wallace. Ooh, that's also surprising. Has been incredible. Continues to be incredible. Um, I thought he was a big, bright, shining spot in this game as well. Um, and just continues to make winning plays. Um, so, At the end of the day, guys, the Thunder played like shit. And if Aaron Holiday doesn't go six of seven from three, they <laughs> nah. win the game. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't Shangoon or Jalen yeah. Green like lighting up the Thunder. That's a great point. Aaron Holiday just cooked. And part of that is because he got open shots because the Thunder doubled down because they played small and wanted to double Shangun in the post. So are we ready to move on to something else? We are. Um, <laughs> let's go to our first break of this podcast and we'll come right back and talk about uh, the bench in some ways. <laughs> let's do it. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we're back. We're going to talk about something involving the Thunder Bench, and it is we're just going to have a a conversation, a logical, level-headed conversation about should there be any changes to the starting lineup, specifically around a player that we talked about as a bit of a pain point tonight, Josh Giddy. We're not saying, to be clear, we are not saying the Thunder need to bench Josh Giddy. 
We're not, we're not saying that we are simply discussing, you know, is it worth talking about maybe moving him to the bench and moving someone else that could be more effective with the starters into the starting lineup? Is there, so, yeah, you go, go ahead, Jacob. I was going to say, um, ES or sorry, NBA.com slash stats has updated. Uh, so since you want to talk Josh and like a possible benching, uh, through 20 games this season, Josh is scoring 11.8 points on 11.9 shots a game. He's 42% from the field, 32% from three, only averaging 1.4 free throw attempts a game. He is at five and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, uh, 2.6 turnovers, and is a plus 0.7. The, that, sound, that, that matches the eye test, I'll say. Yeah, so 12... Basically, twelve, six, and four, uh, which is great numbers for a starter, especially like your fourth starter, yeah, like your your fourth most important starter. Um, it just recently has looked really, really bad. I've thought a lot about this. This is what I'll say, and then I'll let you guys kind of take it over. I think if you polled a lot of Thunder fans, they would say maybe the Thunder should bench Josh Giddy and play him with the second unit and start Kaysen Wallace or Isaiah Joe. I think that is the traditional thinking of the fan base as a whole from super hardcore fans down to very casual fans. I think if you polled everybody, that's what the majority would say. If you said, should they bench Josh? Like, if they bench Josh, who would it be for? Here's my only issue with that. Josh is like 6'8", 6'9", 220, 225. Kaysen Wallace is awesome, but he's like 6'4", 195. Isaiah Joe was like 6'5", 190. This Thunder team already starts a small lineup as far as like J-Dub at the four. I think if you wanted to insert a Kaysen Wallace into the starting lineup, you would almost have to make two starting lineup changes and put a bigger body in as well. And that is a bigger body that I don't think they have on the roster right now or they do, but is not ready like a, like an Usman Jane. I think if you wanted to start Kaysen, you would honestly have to bench two guys. Cause if you start Shea, Dort, Kaysen, Dub, Chet, I just think you're giving up so much size that you're relying so much on Chet to do all of your rebounding that it becomes a problem. I think that's a really good point and kind of helped me think about this more as well because you're totally right. And we have the Spicer in our in our comments kind of thinking similarly to what I was thinking. I don't, I'm not advocating for the benching of Ludort, but this is kind of following your train of thought saying that if you bring Kaysen in, you probably need to bring someone else out of similar size uh, I think Kenridge Williams could be a good discussion point for someone that could be on the roster now that at least plays bigger than their position that played as the small ball five last year. But yeah, Kenny plays ideal. bigger than he is, but it's not ideal. How long does that carry you? You know, right. Correct. Like, I don't know. Is it fair to say 20 games in I've warmed up to the idea of playing Chet with another center? Yeah, absolutely. That, and I definitely don't. Unfortunately, mean, like, Jay will hasn't quite been that. Jay will. But uh, a but center that's not on the roster. Correct. Alex I see what you're saying. Right. 
you know, someone like that, or you get a, a bigger four in there and you slide dub down to the three, I think also makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm not proposing that they do this because I don't think if this guy is starting on the Thunder, I don't know if that's your best option, but I posted on Twitter recently that I'm a big fan of the Thunder making a trade for Denny Avdia. 6'9", 230, uh, plays the four, is a good defender, kind of does everything the Thunder like. I like him off the bench. Yeah. But right. it almost feels like if you eventually made a change, it should be sliding dub down and putting a bigger body in there at the four, a, a 6'8", 240 type of guy uh, and who can player, rebound, who can obviously, defend. Yeah. Like uh, obviously they're, they're, everybody wants, but it's true. Like, I think you're spot on. I don't there. think they're trading for OG and Anobi. No. Right. I don't think um, would be awesome, they're, they're trading for uh, some star like that. But I think ideally that is the piece that unlocks everything else for them. And to your point, Jacob, that might be a player they draft down the road. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's quite. As as maybe low they as start I've been. the Williams brothers next year, boys. Whoa. Here we go. <laughs> he's a little too. He's been really good. Cody's been really good, but he uh, he still has a long way to go to be physically ready. I think to play in yeah. the NBA or to For start sure. in the NBA. But I, I will say this. Obviously, I've been very harsh on Josh throughout the this season, and I've talked a lot about. Again, we continue to mention the off court allegations, all that. But I mean, he still was struggling. I, I think in similar ways especially trying to find his fit and just his mentality uh, in, in comparison to how he was playing at the end of last season compared to how he started this season, even pre-Twitter allegations, right? Um, even then, this team ultimately ultimately can reach their highest ceiling if Josh Giddy can find his role in this team. And we're talking about like a playmaking forward who is able to improve a little bit more defensively. The issue is I just... I'm not quite there on the, the outside shooting. I, I'm not convinced that that's going to improve enough. But the point is, it's not about starting lineups. It, it's about how you close games and the lineups in between. We've seen Mark do a fantastic job uh, with that as a whole. <laughs> right? and, and, it will, and like I said, I think post-All-Star break, if this team continues to perform at a high level like they have as a big sample size as a whole, we'll see those lineups tighten up. And I, I think we'll see some more efficient lineups. Uh, but... I'm not sure it's it's quite time to give up on Josh Giddy in the starting lineup as much as it is like as much as I appreciate Mark not necessarily closing with him because that will lose you games if he's not, if he's performing like this uh within the starting lineup struggling with fit and the mentality that we've talked about like if you're closing with Josh Giddy that's going to lose you basketball games. And here's the thing for me with Josh and, and I think you're totally right Taylor. My my initial point wasn't they should bench Josh it was, this is what that would look like. Correct. I think Josh has two things going against him right now. Number one, I think he's struggling to find his place on the team. Um, I think Mark Dagnall had a great quote the other day saying, Josh Giddy like worked all summer on his body and getting better. He played FIBA and played with a different team and did a lot of great things and looked really good. He didn't come back a worse player. He's not a worse player, although he's not as efficient and not playing as well right now. He became a better basketball player, but the fit on this team is so much different for him now and trying to find that place. And I think a lot of that um, inefficiency comes from forcing things because he's trying to trying to force his way out of it. So number one is finding his place. Number two is confidence. 
confidence, a lack of confidence because he started the season poorly, a lack of confidence because of the raining booze uh, due to off the court issues, which again, there are no facts out. So we are not going to discuss. If you bench him, you are just doubling down on the, like, you've got to realize he's a 21 year old. Like if you bench him, you are not getting that guy back. Benching him isn't, oh, it's like the best for for the team and for Josh. He can find his groove coming off the bench. Like, what does that say to him? If if you bench him, it's like, we don't have confidence in you either. And then that's when it spirals and it becomes like unplayable, right? And I know people... Would I mean, there I say right Ben now. Simmons 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. So like, Similar. I think... Although benching him logically like seems like, oh, maybe you should. Because it'll lead to more wins. <laughs> this isn't 2K. These are real-life human beings. And benching him is basically the coaching staff, the front office saying, we no longer have confidence and have faith in you that you can help us win basketball games. We are demoting you. And if you demoted me at my job, my confidence would go down and my production would go down as well. Right? And I think that's probably the same for 96% of human beings on planet earth. Yeah. That you have to remember that there, like you said, there are people involved it, it would almost have to be realistically. I feel like it would almost have to be a situation where he recognized that he was being a detriment and that the off the court stuff was a huge distraction. And he like, he almost volunteered a break. Yeah. Yeah. Volunteers like take a step away. Yeah. Um, you know, or eventually, like, maybe it's not you demote them to the bench, but it's a trade. And I'm not right. saying they should, and I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying there's there's possibilities out there. Before this season, I would have said, no way. Now, and people know I love, I love my rookies. And I think so highly of rookies, and it's to my detriment. Um, I mean, right now, you're absolute untouchables you call us about them we're hanging up the telephone is shay chet and dub and then that very next tier is Kaysen. but i think that josh is no longer in that we're hanging up the phone when you call tier do you hang up for isaiah joe we need to do a segment of this do you that's, hang up if that's, you don't hang uh, up but it better be worthwhile oh with that contract production for contract value, he's one of the best in the league. You can trade right. him back to Maury and get that Harden poster that's hanging up in his living room. <laughs> All right. I think that was a healthy conversation about the starting lineup. So let's take our last break and maybe do a little preview of the game on Friday. Let's collect ourselves and get ready. All right. Be right back. Okay, we're back. Hey, before we jump into the Golden State stuff, real quick, um, I just want to be transparent. Uh, Raw, the messenger in the chat over here, I think brings up a really good point, and uh, specifically against me, and I think it's a really good one that I want to address real quick. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Uh, He says, not trying to start shit, but I'm confused. So halving his minutes and not letting him finish the game is helping with his confidence? Uh, and I think that's a great point, right? Good he point. has been yeah. losing the minutes. Um, I just I think starting the game is a little bit different, right? And maybe maybe that's just me. Um, but I 
I just think starting the game versus getting benched, like I think there's a mental component to that. And maybe I, I could be completely off. Well, we've just seen it from a one, lot of vets. One... A lot of vets, like some guys like don't see themselves as bench players. There is a, a, a I don't know, an, an, a hierarchy there as like as far as you know your honor as a player. Definitely. And and Raw has also identified himself in the chat. And this man it's came, our guy and Vic. Watched, came and watched us record a live <laughs> podcast in Vegas at 8 a.m. So I know he's not starting shit because he's a he's an awesome dude who hung out with us in Las Vegas <laughs> for summer leagues. So we appreciate you, dude. And it's a great counterpoint. And you're not wrong at all. Um I also think like starting him is saying, Hey, we believe in you. Go out there and and play. Then he goes out there and plays and he struggles. You're like, okay, maybe you don't have it tonight. Where benching him is like saying, oh, we no longer believe that you... I don't know. But it, it's this also... This why I'm not in the NBA, guys. This is why <laughs> I'm an asshole behind a microphone That was at my disclaimer. At night. That was my disclaimer, too. That's why I'm not an assistant GM or an assistant coach. But it's not like they're also just starting Josh Giddey and then pulling him the rest of the game. I mean, they're continuing to implement him in lineups throughout the game. It's more so closing when the Thunder are trying to win games that he's he's not getting those minutes, and rightfully so. But they aren't completely giving up on him, is Jacob's point. And um, You know what I want I from Josh important. that I think would solve a lot of stuff? Do you guys remember Aunt Silva? I'm sorry. and I, I'm the one causing us to go long. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're fine. Do you remember the CP3 Schroeder? No, it was actually, was it before the CP3? No, it was the CP3 year. When Shea had 20-20-10 in Minnesota, and he said that the coaching staff had really challenged him to be a more aggressive rebounder, Dennis doused him uh, with water after the game and said, 20-20-10, that's so effing tough, bro. <laughs> <laughs> they need to challenge Josh to that. Like, I want Josh to come out and just be a complete asshole and yes. like get those elbows up high and bump into yeah. dudes and throw those hips around and hit guys and... If I'm Mark, I would be sitting down with Josh on the plane ride home, and I would be telling him, I don't give a shit if you have zero assists and zero points. I want you to go out against a fairly physical Golden State team with Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins and Kevin Kavon, Kevin Kavon Looney. Go get 20 <laughs> boards. Get 20 boards and outrun every dude down the court. Every time there's a fast break, you just sprint your ass down the court. Hit the glass like a madman. I so I've talked to Silva with this when we play pickup. If there's one thing that'll get your confidence going and insert yourself in the game, it's just going and grabbing the ball. Hustle the plays, yes, one hundred percent. Your ass off, which is what this team's all about, and what Josh has really like made his name off of, right? And he's just yeah. not playing to that this season. To like, like I said earlier, prior to the off court stuff that popped up, like he, I think Jacob, I, we we don't need him. Rehash it. I think Jacob nailed it in, re in regards to why he maybe has gone away from that even at the beginning of the season. But I love that, Jacob. Like, just again, off, race off, hell. off court stuff, notwithstanding, I don't want to get into that debate. But if I saw Josh go rip down 18 rebounds and the camera picked up him yelling, Yeah, boo me, mother effers, boo me. <laughs> I would feel so much better about the Josh Giddy situation. If he even shot 0 of 10 that game, I would feel so much better about the Josh Giddy on the court situation. 100%. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll do that <laughs> uh, on Friday, which is that, that is a home game. That so is that's a home, home game. game. That is like, their second game that was scheduled. It, it, 
there's the two the two games left off the schedule for each team. Yeah, they didn't make the uh, play-in tournament. What was it? I guess the quarter, no, semifinals. Uh, this would be the second of those for the Thunder, and they will be playing the Warriors at home Friday. So, uh, I feel better about that game. They've played the Warriors, you know, pretty well this year, even that game without SGA. Um, oh, also, wow, just, uh, just I locked up this game today. Uh, this was my uh, Thunder Money Ball this week. <laughs> Appropriate. It's unfortunate. Unfortunate. <laughs> uh, Thunder are two and one against the Warriors so far this season. Only played one game against um, Draymond Green, though, which is interesting. But, but guys, Shay just unleashed the beast. If you listen to first take yeah. and, uh, and Warriors all the other also shows. nine and eleven on the season, uh, and currently down seven to the Portland Trailblazers in the third quarter. So things you love to see. Okay, Take well, that, that makes will. me feel better, actually. Clay Thompson is a minus 18 and one of nine from the field. Yikes. He's playing on one leg. He is. He's not been good. So, I mean, that kind of makes me feel better about the Friday game. I don't know. I think it'll be a, excuse me, it'll be a, a bounce-back game for Thunder for sure. Uh, obviously, playing back at home, we saw what they did against the Lakers uh, here. What was that? Gosh, Friday night? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I would expect a similar response. However, does make me a little concerned. I almost would have rather see the the Warriors like blow out the the Blazers. I think. Yeah, they're gonna they're, come in motivated. Nah, they're gonna want correct, correct. Yeah, I would expect the offense to look much crisper Friday night, and I would expect tonight just kind of felt. I don't. It just kind of felt like a drudgy game. Yep. And I would expect them to come out Friday Floppy. and it not to be drudgy. A Friday night at home should be a packed crowd. Um, I, I would expect more juice out of them Friday night. That's, that's kind of what the game felt like tonight. I agree. I totally agree. You didn't play the full sounder, Silva. Well, I have three. I know. <laughs> no, that's a lot of slop. See, that's <laughs> the one I was looking for. You might say it's a little sloppy. <laughs> I forgot about those. Yeah, uh, good times. Bucks. Good times. Bucks. All right. Uh, do you guys have anything else? I don't know. We played the Warriors Friday at seven. We're gonna podcast that. Hoping for a re- yeah. Hoping for a rebound. Yeah. Uh, no pun that. intended. I'm watching Godzilla minus one on Friday, which is the Japanese Godzilla movie. Oh, cool. okay. So uh, Shams, no trade, nothing like that, nothing Thunder related. Just this is fascinating from an NBA standpoint. Mm. Uh, we can call this our around association or around association go. segment. I'm not playing uh, this. Bull Zach Levine will miss an additional three to four weeks to treat right foot inflammation. Mm. Me thinks that could be a little bad for his trade value. Uh, I don't think he has much right foot inflammation. Is what that means. <laughs> We're that still means trying to trade him and I nobody trade. Yeah, and nobody wants my them. foot hurts. All right, we're getting out of here. Thank you guys for joining us tonight in our uh, mini therapy session, talking things out. Uh, we will be back with you Friday after the Golden State game. Uh, a couple of us will be on that show. I don't know exactly who yet. I don't think, but uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll also see you Sunday night as usual. Uh, but until then, adios and thunder up. <laughs>